0: We are jumping to Corinthians 15, which is the pinnacle, the climax of the book of Corinthians, 1st Corinthians. And it's all about the resurrection. Uh, it will feel a little bit like a Bible study because there's a lot of stuff in there that I'm just going to be mentioning and, and just really exposing you to how is the Apostle Paul dealing with some of the bad beliefs that the Corinthians had. Because the Corinthians, we, we know they had some really funky beliefs but they also had the spirit and that was the, that was the amazing thing. They had the spirit but they also had a lot of really uh, crazy beliefs. So, I'm gonna... Hmm, can you do it? Ah, watches, watches. Ah. My body's not been cooperating with me lately so I was like taking a risk. All right, um, let's pray together, and let's just launch into this. Father, we just thank you for Easter, for celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, and bringing us together, calling us your people, letting us call you our God. And we're talking about today, the most history-changing and life-changing event that's ever happened. I ask that our hearts would grow warm and that you would draw us to you and that you would fall afresh on this place, Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, this, Corinthians starts with, with a creed and a witness. And so we're going we're to look at that. So he says this, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. So the Apostle Paul had this understanding that you needed to hold on to the message of the gospel. You needed to hold on to your faith. And you'll come back to that in the end. And, And then he says this, And can you guys read that? Let's read. This is a, this uh, most theologians believe is an early Christian creed that the apostle was uh, writing and reminding the Corinthians. He says this. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Let's do it again because you guys, we're going to read together. So I want to hear more volume. Can I have more? I mean, this, I mean. (laughs) If you can't read, it's okay. Okay. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, And so they they really see this as a, a creed. He talks about his death and his burial and then his resurrection and how that fulfilled scripture. And I'll read the rest to you. And that he appeared to Cephas. That's another word for Peter. And then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James then to all the apostles, and at last of all, he appeared to me as one abnormally born. And we know about the apostle Paul's encounter on the road to Damascus, where Jesus knocked him down and said, why are you persecuting me? And, and I, I want you to know, he says, some have fallen asleep. If you haven't read the scriptures, that's a euphemism for death, okay? It's not like it's not like they're in the garden and the disciples fell asleep. They're saying that some have died. But, but get what the Apostle Paul is doing. He's saying, if you don't believe me, you can go find a witness who saw Jesus. I mean, he appeared to 500 people at the te- that time. And you can find a witness, just like in the court of law, and they're going to say, boom, we saw him. We saw him. And the Resurrection of Christ is one of the most historically uh, documented events in all of history. If you want want to read uh, highfalutin history, the writings of N.T. Wright, he's argued in in academia for the resurrection of Jesus. He's got three books and you can read them, but you have to wade through them because they're thick and academic. But I love that people are still going out there and doing good history. And you know why historians don't believe in the resurrection? Because it's never happened again. And therefore they say, well, then it doesn't happen. You have to have a bias against it in order not to believe the testimony. The testimony of witnesses over and over and over and over. And what I love about this is that every one of the apostles, Paul included, except for John, I would say, went to their graves proclaiming this message. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ caused everyone but John their life. And I'm going to tell you something I know. I don't know of 12 people that are willing to go to the grave for a lie. They were killed for proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and that he rose from the dead. You can bank on it. And here's the cool thing about this. The Corinthians actually believe this. Okay? So, and, and so, I, I've structured this message right in the text. I structured it as, here's the creed, here's the witness. He deals with two questions, and then there's an affirmation in the end. He asks this first question. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? So, the Apostle Paul, uh, in, with the church in Corinth, they believed that Jesus rose from the dead, but they were saying but we don't know if we rise from the dead, okay? They believed Jesus rose from the dead, but they didn't, weren't convinced, at least some of them, that, that they would rise from the dead. And so here's what the Apostle Paul does. He goes, hey, i have just given you his arguments. He says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. He's saying, you have to understand what God did in Jesus. You know what God did in Jesus? He took something. So pretend there's a timeline here, okay, on the platform. He took something that all the, the Pharisees and the religious uh, leaders, most of them believed that there would be a resurrection in the end of time. And a judgment. And if you want to find out a little bit more about that, you can read the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John. And what God did is he took, he took that end event and did it in the middle of time with Jesus. When somebody first explained this to me, I was just going, what? Maybe I need a Vulcan mind meld or something. I just wasn't getting it. What do you mean he took something that was taking place in the end of time and did it in the middle of time with Jesus? And he said, that's exactly what he did. And he's saying if, if and the Apostle Paul's argument that if no one's raised from the dead, then Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. And they believe that. And he said this, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be a false witness about God. Basically he's saying we're not even telling the truth. So, so Corinthians, you don't believe that we're going to be raised from the dead, then you got to t- toss Christ's resurrection as well. And then he goes on. He says, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And here are these Corinthians who are enjoying the life of the Spirit, enjoying all the joys of knowing God. And he's saying, look, if you don't believe that we get raised, then you don't believe that Christ was raised, then you are still stuck in your sin. And he says, and, and then those who have fallen asleep are those who have died— in faith, they're lost too. And then he goes on and he says this. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we, are all, we of all people should be most pitied. Most to be pitied. I, I mean, he's just like, that, that is a pitiful life. He didn't just stop there. He switches now. And he said, but... Christ indeed has been raised from the dead. The first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits. Some of you might know some of the Jewish traditions of the Old Testament and how you would give the first fruit. Apostle Paul uses this like a deposit. He's saying, look, you can take it to the bank. Jesus rose from the dead. The first fruit of what will come in the end of time. You can trust Him. And I was, I was thinking about uh, how, you know, we got we 2,000 years from this event, don't we? And, and so we have the witness of Scripture telling us about this event. We also have the encounter of the Holy Spirit. We're doing a series, Empowered. I'm going to be doing uh, a clinic on Wednesday night, so if, you know, some of the life groups might want to just not meet during this time and just encourage people to come to the clinic on Wednesday night and just practicing some of these things. Uh, be, it's going to be a great time. But, but what you need to realize is that we experience the resurrection of Jesus through the life of the Spirit now. In fact, as we were praying, we prayed that you would be, you would sense the very Spirit of God as we gathered. Because the Spirit of God touches our emotions. And you can feel the very Spirit of God. And we have this first fruit in the book of Philippians, it uses this term it, 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 where we get the word prototype. And, it, and it's this idea that, that um, Jesus was the firstborn from among the dead. He was the prototype. And so when you talk about, well, well and we'll talk about in a minute, but, uh, the body, we can point to Jesus' resurrection body as something that we hold on to and then he goes on and he says this for since death came through a man and the resurrection of the dead comes through a man for as in as in adam all die so in christ all will be made alive and he goes back to this thing he says adam and adam literally means man he says adam came and because of adam we all have died but now in christ all who die in christ will live But each in turn, and and I love what he does here. Christ, the first fruit, so it was Jesus first. When he comes, those who belong to him. So we know Jesus rose from the dead. And when he comes again, those of us who belong to him will get resurrected bodies. And to that end will come. And when he hands over the kingdom of god after he has destroyed all dominion authority and power i i love this because it's it's this idea out of psalm 8 where where um, jesus is where where he says everything here it is everything would put under his feet for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet the last enemy to be destroyed is death for he has put everything under his feet. And that's out of Psalm, Psalm 8. And, and, and it's this, uh, this amazing passage where God the Father put things under Christ, and then Christ gives them back to the Father. This amazing unity in the Trinity. I remember when I was a theology student, I, I, I wrote a paper, and, and I was trying to figure out the relationship of the Trinity and and how they function. And I, and I, and I came up with a, sort of an argument of what I call the functional subordinationism. Big word, but when you write theology, you have to use big words. And, and, and it, was this, it was like this wonderful, um, submitting, loving relationship in the Godhead. Some people refer to it almost like a dance, and they move together. And, and, and so, what you see in this passage is that as God put everything under Christ, Christ will then place it all back in the hand of God. There's another question the Apostle Paul raises, and he says this, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? And so, the Apostle Paul makes the, the argument. He says, he says this, so it will be with the resurrection what is sown perishable will be raised imperishable what is sown in dishonor will be raised in glory what is sown in weakness raised in power and he he uses uh, the the picture of a seed and i this is the time to plant isn't it have you ever looked at the goofy little seeds that we plant sometimes it's like you look at that little seed and you go this is an asparagus i mean watermelon we get because until they made it seedless we spent our childhood spitting them out. But you look at these funny little seeds and you think, how is that gonna come from that? And that was the Apostle's argument. What is put in the ground dies, but what comes up, what comes up is newness, is resurrection. And he says, That's what happens. Your body's put in the ground. It's sown perishable, it's raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Do you get that, guys? Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that when you become a follower of Jesus, there is an image transformation. That Christ starts to show through you. There is a a slow becoming more and more like the Savior. And I say slow because I've been a believer for a while and I find it slow. Anybody else find it slow? Yeah, if it was fast, then we'd have like this, the Christians with the super capes on and then the, all the rest of us, you'd right? have the Christian superheroes. Um, but he, here's the thing. We are image bearers. That's what he does to us. And we start it Now. That the Bible says in the, in the book of Genesis that we were created in the image of God, but we know sin has broken that image. It has marred that image. And when you become a follower of Jesus, the, the Bible says that we now start to be changed and transformed and, and to re-bear the image of God in Jesus. And you know what I, I love to tell people? You know, people pay for professional coaching, right? You ever seen people that are professional coaches. I have a friend, he is, he, he's probably one of the top 50 coaches in the world. And this guy travels all over the place. And people will pay lots of money for a coach. Did you know when you become a believer, you get an internal coach? Did you know that? That's God the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells in us, and so, he, how does he coach us? Sometimes he coaches us with just with our feelings. So you do something, and you're like, oh man, I feel bad. Yes. Because that grieved the Spirit. Other times he coaches us because he's directing our lives. We're feeling a nudge. We're feeling, we're feeling a, a leading. Our Good Friday service, I had the one leading. I said, I said, don't let us gather. I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, don't gather just to reflect on the death of Christ without appropriating what that death paid for. So if you're hanging on to sin or bitterness, or and, and, and I did it personally. I, I walked out of that service, and I, I text somebody, and I said, I want you to know no, I forgive you. I forgive you. Because I was deeply touched by the Spirit of God when my water fell. When, um, when Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive. And I said, you know what? I think I'm holding on to this. I'm going to release it. That's how the Spirit of God coaches us. That's how we change. That's how the image bearing happens in our lives. And then he goes, listen, I'll tell you a mystery. And I'm going to read. I really did spill my water on my notes, by the way. but but it didn't run so let's hear it for laser printers but they they're bleeding through so i better read quickly okay i want to read this it says listen i want to tell you a mystery and then and then here's the mystery he goes we will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash in a twinkling of the lot of an eye at the last trumpet For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must must clothe itself with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed, clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is, is your sting? And he says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, I am so grateful that the Corinthians couldn't figure out the resurrection because we got gold. Gold. That someday we will be united with Christ when he comes again in our new bodies. And if he comes during our lifetime, you don't even experience death. You get changed in the twinkling of an eye. You get your, your mortal body and you get your immortal body. And it's so funny if you read the news, and I don't know if it's because Easter, but I, I have a habit of reading a lot of news. And, and they're like, oh, in 30 years, you're going to be able to attend your own funeral and be uploaded into a computer. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And did you know they're, they're, they are coming out with an anti-aging pill? I'm like, well, what does that look like? And if he gave it to a baby, does the baby stay a baby? I mean, like, what, what is an anti-aging? I, I mean, isn't that weird? Like, here, you won't age. Well, what? Do you stop? Like, yeah. anyway, but, but it's this longing that we all have for eternal life to live on. And the greatest message that has ever been preached is that Jesus came and died for all our sins so that we can receive him and have eternal life. The Gospel of John says it starts now spiritually and it goes on for eternity. And I can preach no other hope, no other hope than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to say to the anti-aging pills or the people that want to download their existence and sit at their funeral. It was a funny concept. Um, We have eternal life. We have eternal life. And the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians, and he says to us, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And one of the things I love about this church is you guys will serve. You will, you put a need before you and you jump on it. And I, I just love that. And so I, I, I think the, the, one of the applications is has your faith wavered? You're Here on Easter, Have you, has your faith wavered? Has your hope diminished? Has your faith maybe gone a little cold? Have you been beaten down by life so much that the resurrection of Jesus doesn't hold the hope for you anymore? I've said this before, we had an older guy in the church, and he used to be on our finance team until his health just got uh, too diminished, and, and he said this to me. He said, I think God allows our health to go down, so we long for our new bodies. And before he was, when he was, the uh, day before he was dying, I talked to his wife, and He had a great sense of humor, and somebody, one of the nurse asked him a question, and uh, he looks at her and goes, I don't know, I've never died before. (laughs) And I thought, there's a guy who's hanging on to eternal life. There's a guy who's hanging on to it. So I'm going to just pray. Maybe you've never started a relationship with Jesus. It's just a prayer way, and I'll give you that opportunity. And then I'm going to ask the Spirit of God to just bring some hope And bring some encouragement and then we get to sing okay with the organ because lisa's there christ the lord is risen today yeah let's pray together why don't you stand up lord we confess that sometimes our, our faith feels like we leak it feels like somebody, sometimes we have a full cup and sometimes somebody punched a hole in the bottom of the cup and, it, and it's leaking. And some here, Lord, have, have their, their hope in you has diminished. Their joy in you has diminished. They've been beaten down by maybe some of their hurts, their habits, or their hangups, and, and just barely making it. Oh Lord, we know that you talk about a power of the resurrection that dwells within us. And I pray for eternal encouragement because you did it all for us. And that our resurrection is based on your resurrection and you are the first fruit, you are the deposit, you are the guarantee. It's coming. And I pray for those maybe who have been uh, away from the Lord or maybe you've been uh, never turned your life over to him and you say, today I, I just want to follow Jesus. And it's just a simple prayer, just saying, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I believe truly you died on the cross for them. I believe you rose again. Would you be my Lord, my leader, my Savior come into my life? And a sincere prayer like that redirects our lives. And you can pray it now. Come into my life. Resurrected Savior. Amen. So, um, somebody asked me, Do you ever play that? And the answer is. Yes, when Lisa's available. So she scooted over from another church and came over to play the organ for us to sing Christ the Lord is risen today. So before we sing it, give her a thank you. Yeah. amen amen Uh, before before the benediction I'm gonna just say that that uh, we had this sense that maybe there's somebody here who said okay I think I'm gonna give God one last try and and been discouraged or or, um, just okay I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in again and I just want to encourage you to, to trust him that he is one that you can throw yourself on. He put himself on the cross for you so you can trust him and let him care for you today, okay? That's you. Give him a yes. I'm going to give you a blessing. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his favor, his countenance on you, and give you his peace. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful resurrection day. We'll see you next week.